All right. Well, let's uh, open this uh, fellowship in some prayer, and then we'll uh, get into some study on on the biblical Jew named Jesus, I guess, is what we'll have to title this uh, fellowship. Heavenly Father, as we come together in your name, Father, to seek out the truth in your word, the record that you left for us, Father, we pray and ask your wisdom, guidance, and direction in all that we seek to learn and understand. Father, we know there's a vast amount of disinformation that has been perpetrated upon your people, those who are of Jacob Israel, that have migrated and populated all over the globe as you had foretold and prophesied they would. Father, we thank you for the promise that you gave. We thank you for the blessings that you've provided in spite of our own selves, in spite of our sins, the sins of our fathers, and our sins ourselves. Father, at this time, we endeavor to look into your word and try to understand a word that has been grossly misused in such a way that it has caused the vast majority of your people to have no concept of their true biblical identity. And it's just not a concept of their true biblical identity, Father. It's who's been masquerading in their place and who has essentially been striking them in spite of all the propaganda and the lies to the contrary. Father, the theological teachers, the leaders of our day, just as you've taught us in the prophets, those who were in charge of your word, those who were responsible to see to it that the people understood it, those who were responsible for seeing to it that it was read from year to year and that it was abided in, that we would be able to count on those blessings and not the curses. <laughs> and so, Father, I pray a blessing upon this fellowship this evening that we might come to a better understanding and be better ourselves to understand it and to share it and articulate it to those of your people and those who would like to know the truth. So, Father, that's our prayer this evening. We pray for those who are still trying to get logged in or still trying to get on, that they find uh, that we are, in fact, up now. We had a little technical glitch, so we thank you for helping us to work through that. And, Father, we pray your blessing now upon this fellowship time. Bless the holy name of your Son. We ask it. We give thanks for it, counting specifically on it, that your will be done. Amen. All right, well, you know, I know that it's it's something that's very, very confusing for a lot of people. Got a lot of background noise there again. Just try to keep your uh, paper shuffling to a minimum or whatever, if that's what it is. But I think the first thing I'd like to do, and I don't want to take up all the time here, but I want to just take and bust us through quite a bit of the information that we really need to know as we have a foundation to really 
have what is necessary in our arsenal to talk about the things that need to be spoke about when people misuse and mischaracterize this word Jew in our modern language. So let me go through and take maybe 10 minutes here to kind of bust through some things. Now, I know a lot of us are already familiar with this, but let's just hear it once, I think, so that we can kind of formulate in our minds an outline, if you will, of the things that that need to be understood and known as we go along and try to teach somebody the truth. In spite of all that you may try to teach them, the Judeo-Christian line for years has been, well, what difference does it make anyway? We're all one in Christ Jesus. There's neither Jew nor Greek, bond nor free. And that's where a lot of people tend to just, okay, they just kind of let it hit the floor and, you know, rest with that and resign to the fact that, okay, yeah, really, I suppose, what does it matter? And as a consequence, I think the broader understanding of the biblical text the prophecies, and so forth, and even our current condition is largely not understood because of that very laissez-faire type thought that comes into our minds when somebody retorts with that retort, and we've got to be able to counter it. All right, quickly. In understanding the word and it's improper usage. The first thing we've got to do is go back to Adam's chronology. And that genealogical table of Adam's chronology is in that biblical record. There are ten generations from Adam to Noah, four generations to Shem, six generations then to Abraham, a total of ten generations there. The sons of Heber, which is who Abraham descends from, have been biblically recorded as Hebrews. Abraham had eight sons. One son, Ishmael, from the bondwoman Hagar. Genesis 21 is where you'll find that. One son from Isaac, or one son named Isaac, that being from Sarah. And six sons from Keturah. That's at Genesis 25, is the son of Heber. And this is very important. Therefore, his descendants, as I alluded to last week, would be Hebrews. The first thing that we should have then in this process is a question, and that is, why isn't Ishmael a Jew? See, when they, people start talking about Abraham being a Jew, very seldom will they throw Ishmael in there also. Because if Abraham is a Jew, why wouldn't Ishmael be Jew? And why wouldn't the six sons from Keturah also be Jews? Or perhaps they are. When you begin to analyze this and really see what's going on, you 
have to come to the conclusion that this biblical record is about the people under the chronology, if not Adam, certainly the chronology of Abraham. So this one son, Isaac, is the genealogical table of Eber, the Hebrews, established in the prophecies. And let's go to Genesis 21.12 and begin there. Now, I've given you a lot of history already to Genesis 21, but anybody can go back then and, and recap and review that, but we'll go quick to Genesis 21, verse 12. And God said unto Abraham, Let not it be grievous in the sight because of the lad and because of thy bondwoman. In all that Sarah has said unto thee, hearken unto her voice. For in Isaac shall thy seed be called. When God said to Adram that he should not be, this should not be grievous, it is because of this very statement, which nearly everything else in the biblical record to follow is related to and arises out of. Now this son Isaac had two sons, Jacob and Esau. Let's stop and ask ourselves another question. If Abraham is a Jew, since the theologians make the distinction incorrectly, then all of the descendants from here on out should be called and referred to as Jews. We should not be hearing about it for the first time in 2 Kings 16. That's at verse 6, 2 Kings 16. At that time, Rezin, king of Syria, recovered uh, Elath to Syria and drave the Jews from Elath and Syrians came to Elath and bet, and dwelt there unto this day. All right, so that's the first time that it's used in our King James Bible. As I brought out last week, if you look at many of the other Bible translations, the earlier Bible translations, you won't find that in there at all. You will actually find the original translation or the word, which is, uh, either Idumean or Judean. And that's it. Now, we're going to fast forward again to Genesis chapter 36. And in there, we're going to be looking at verse 8. Genesis 36. In fact, it wouldn't probably hurt for us to start at 36.1, just quickly. Now, these are the generations of Esau, who is Edom. Now, we'll drop down to verse 8, just for expediency and sake of time. Thus dwelt Esau in Mount Seir. Esau is Edom. Verse 9. 
And these are the generations of Esau, the father of the Edomites in Mount Seir. All right, now, those three verses there, God has seen fit to have recorded for us. Three times he has told us who Edom is and that Esau is Edom. All right, is everybody with me so far? Yeah. Jacob had 12 sons from four women. We can find this recorded at Genesis chapters 30 through 37. So if you just jot that note down, Genesis 30 through 37, you will have the record of Jacob's 12 sons. Leah, the eldest of Laban's daughters. The second was Bilhah, a concubine who Reuben had ancestral relations with in Genesis 35. And, of course, he lost his birthright as well. Um, He lost that to Joseph, in fact. And then, and Joseph turned to be one of Jacob's favorite sons. And he, in turn, passed on the birthright, if you will, to Ephraim and Manasseh. You can find that at First Chronicles chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. The third woman was Zilpah. That was Rachel's handmaid. That's at Genesis 30. And then Rachel was chosen by God in answer to Jacob's prayer. Rachel had that meeting at the well, and seven years uh, Jacob agreed to serve for her and wound up serving seven years for Leah as well. Um, Genesis chapter 32, verse 25 is an important part of what God is going to do with Jacob Israel. Um, 25. Uh, Let's start at 24. And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, He touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaks. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. And as he passed over Penuel, the sun rose up upon him, and he halted upon his thigh. Therefore the children of Israel eat not the sinew, which shrank, which is upon the hollow of the thigh unto this day, because he touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh in the sinew 
that shrank. All right. Now, before going further, one of the things that we have to do at this point, I think, is that we've got to address Jacob's son, Judah. We have to ask this question, can the noun Jew be applied? The answer is no. From that day forth, Judah would have been biblically referred to as Jew or the house of Jews or something else like that. But again, there's no biblical record of any genealogical reference or identity as Jews until 600 years after Moses. Judah's three sons, one of which is Zerah, the archaeological records show they populated the shores of the Mediterranean before before the exodus of Egypt. Zerah's genealogical line is emblematic in the red hand circled with a scarlet cord. Let's go to Genesis chapter 38. I don't think I marked this. Maybe somebody can help me with finding it quickly. Um, Now, what we are getting to here is Zerah and Pharaoh's See, I know it's here because this is all Judah's descendants here in 38. Okay, yes, here we are in verse 27. All right, I'll make a note of that so I can come back to it if we need to. 38 and verse 27. And it came to pass in the time of her travail that, behold, twins were in her womb. And it came to pass when she travailed that the one put out his hand and the middle midwife took and bound upon his hand a scarlet thread saying, this came out first. And it came to pass as he drew back his hand that behold, his brother came out and she said, how hast thou broken forth? This breach be upon thee. Therefore, his name was called Perez, and afterward came out his brother that had the scarlet thread upon his hand, and his name was called Zerah. All right, now as I said, Zerah's genealogical line is emblematic in that red circle with a scarlet cord, and these are the Scots of Ireland. Zerah's twin, Pharaoh's, was the genealogical progeny of the tribe of Judah. God divided this genealogical line into two houses, the house of David and the house of Judah. Second Samuel. 
Second Samuel chapter seven, beginning at verse one. Well, I'm not sure I've got that right. Let me just look at that. Second Samuel seven, one to seventeen. I came to pass when the king sat in his house, and the Lord had given him rest round about, and all as many as the king said unto Nathan the prophet, see. Now I dwell in a house of cedar. Um, go and tell my servant David, thus says, that I shall build me a house. Whereas, uh, okay, all right, yeah, that that is what I'm getting at. I, I probably put way too much down there. Let's drop on down to nine. Uh, let's go up to eight. Now, therefore... So that thou shalt say unto thy my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took thee from the sheepcote, from following the sheep, to be ruler over my people, over Israel. And I was with thee whithersoever thou went, and have cut off all your enemies out of your sight, and have made thee a great name, like unto the name of the great men that are in the earth. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them, that they will dwell in a place of their own, and move no more, neither shall the children of wickedness afflict them any more as before time. Now, you need to understand something about this verse and this prophecy here, is that they were already secure in Palestine. So there are some that would like to tell you and convince you that this is a future place or this is a future foretelling, I should say, of a future time in Palestine. And that is not the case. And since that time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel and have caused them to rest from thine enemies, also the Lord telleth thee that he will make thee a house. He will make thee a house. All right. In 2 Kings chapter 12, 1 Kings rather, 12, let's flip back there real quick. Or forward, I should say. Let's get the sense of all of this right there. Um, I suppose, boy, all of 11 is really important, but, um, but that's, yeah, that's fine. Um, 12. Let's begin with let's begin with two. Uh, well, let's just start at twelve one. First uh, Kings chapter twelve verse one. And Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel were to come to Shechem to make him king. And it came to pass when Jeroboam the son of Nebab, who was yet in Egypt, heard of it, for he was fled from the presence of King Solomon, and Jeroboam dwelt in Egypt. 
that when they sent and called him, and Jeroboam and all the congregation of Israel came and spake unto Rehoboam, saying, Thy father made your our yoke grievous. Now therefore make thou the service of thy father and his heavy yoke, which he put on us, lighter, and we will serve thee. And he said unto them, Depart yet three days, and then come again to me, and the people departed. And King Rehoboam consulted with the old men that stood before Solomon his father while he yet lived, and said, How do you advise that I should answer this people? And they spake unto him, saying, If thou wilt be a servant unto this people this day, and will serve them, and answer them, and speak good words to them, then they will be thy servants forever. But he forsook the counsel of old men, which they had, which they had given him, consulted with the young men that were grown up with him, and which stood before him. And he said unto them, What counsel give you that we should answer this people who have spoken to me, saying, Make the yoke which thy father did put on us lighter. And the young men that were grown up with him spake unto him, saying, Thus shalt thou speak unto this people that spake to you. Thy father made your our yoke heavy, but make thou it lighter unto us. Thus shalt thou say unto them, My little finger shall be thicker than my father's loins. And it goes on. Uh, I want to drop us down to and he spake unto them after the counsel of the young men verse 14 saying my father made our your yoke heavy and I will add to your yoke my father also chastised you with whips but I will chastise you with scorpions wherefore the king hearkened not unto the people for the cause was from the Lord that he might perform his saying, which the Lord spake by Ahijah, the Shilonite, under Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. Um, I failed to write down that scripture for you on that prophecy. And let me see if my... Uh, I have chapter 11, verse 11. Wherefore the Lord said unto Solomon, For as much as this house is done of thee, as this is done of thee, and thou hast not kept my covenant. All right. That's a very important. I knew it was. <clears throat> All right. At chapter 11, verse 9, the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned from the Lord God of Israel, which had appeared unto him twice and had commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods, but he kept not that which the Lord commanded. Wherefore, the Lord said unto Solomon, for as much as this is done of thee, and thou hast not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I have commanded thee, I will surely rend the kingdom from thee and will give it to thy servant. Notwithstanding, in thy days I will not do it for David thy father's sake, but I will rend it out of the hand of thy son. Okay, who's the son? Jeroboam and Rehoboam. All right. All right, everybody get that? Sorry, I didn't have that in my notes, but to have that prophecy there and not have that reference back there, uh, I knew could... Uh, could probably uh, miss a very key point. And, and again, what is the key point in there? He's saying that he's going to rend it 
from Solomon, be, but not from Solomon himself, but he's going to because of David, because he made this promise to David, which was to David's son Solomon, and so he's not going to take it from Solomon, but he's going to rend it from his son. So he's already given a prophecy that this is what's going to happen. And then in verse 12, or chapter 12, is where we actually see that being fulfilled there at verse 15. Wherefore the king hearkened not unto the people, for the cause was from the Lord. So it's very important for us to understand. God is doing this. He is specifically dividing this house. Is everybody with me on that? Yes. All right. Then, if you drop down to 1216, this is where you're going to see the ten tribes of Israel. All right. So, this should give you a really quick and short synopsis that really brings you about I don't know, maybe six or eight hundred years to this point in time. And it specifically shows us what happened and what God did. So when all Israel saw that the king hearkened not unto them, the people answered the king, saying, What portion have we in David? Neither have we inheritance in the son of Jesse. To your tents, O Israel. This was their complaint. Their complaint is, what have we got? David's own offspring has now caused a great division. What part do we have in David? What part do we have in Jesse? But for the children of Israel, which dwelt in the cities of Judah, Rehoboam reigned over them. Okay, so Rehoboam reigned over the children of Israel which dwelt in the cities of Judah. Now, here you should be able to see that children of Israel are being referred here, even though you should understand we're talking about the line of Judah. Because as for the children, so in other words, what I'm saying is that synonymously, the scriptures will use Israel and Judah together as being all Israel, or will refer to them separately as all Israel, or will refer to them separately as Israel and Judah. Uh, all right, I think I'll stop there. Uh, but this brings me to that point uh, before I do quit. When when Israel heard that Jeroboam had come back, they summoned him to take the assembly, to the assembly, basically, to make him king over the Israel. And this is where Rehoboam wants to fight against Israel with the house of Judah and Benjamin. And the only way the term Jew could be applied at this time to the house of Judah is only possible as a transliteration of Jew as being synonymous with Judah or Judea. Uh, the cities of Judah being the cities of uh, uh, Judean cities, if you will. And this is the only time that it's 
really going to be possible to really make that um, association predominantly because they were living in Judean lands or Judah lands and hence the corruption of the word to Jew. There's no ancestral genealogical line that can be called Jew. And I hope that that's clear. Descendants do not name ancestors. Ancestors' progeny are named by the ancestors. Isaac's sons, being later named Israel, they also still remembered their Isaac's sons, became known as Saxons. Uh, God even named them by their ancestor, Jacob Israel. Judah and his descendants by name are two centuries after Abraham. Jeremiah 3.8, and then I'll stop. Let's just quick flip to Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 8, and then I'll see where everybody else is in uh, in the thoughts. Jeremiah 3.8. And he says, And I saw, when for all the causes whereby backsliding Israel committed adultery, I had put her away and given her a bill of divorce. Yet her treacherous sister Judah feared not, but went and played the harlot also. And it came to pass, through the lightness of her whoredom, that she defiled the land, and committed adultery with stones and with stocks. And yet for all this, her treacherous sister Judah has not returned unto me with her whole heart, but feignedly, said the Lord. And the Lord said unto me, the backsliding Israel has justified herself more than treacherous Judah. All right, there... The point that I wanted to bring in that is the sin and the distinctions that God clearly makes between Israel and Judah. Israel and Judah, two distinct, separate classifications, if you will. And that's not the only time he does. It just happens to be one of them. So at this point here, I'm going to pause and just see where everybody is in this part of this this uh, genealogical timetable, if you will, bringing us up to speed as to how this word Jew gets transliterated into the Bibles of today. And Judy actually read this weekend from a... Um, uh, Verses, uh, verses six, um, and uh, the New International Version, I believe, had Judean in it. Jeremiah, you can grab that Bible Gateway quick and look that one up. All right. Uh, Hello. Hello? Yeah, he dropped out for a minute. Yeah, something happened there. Yeah, they must have got disconnected. Oh. 
I don't know who did that. I don't know who money milk five thousand is, but yeah, I, I know. Am I still mute, muted? Uh, no, you're good. Hi. Episode is being recorded and streamed live on TalkShoe.com. You are joining the online studio. Um, you are unmuted. All right. To speak with the host. Recording. All right. I don't know where that's all coming from, but uh, well, I just needed mine to make sure I continued somebody else. I'm being. Can can you still hear me now? Everybody's good. Everybody's good. Are you able to uh, forcibly mute everybody and then turn people back on one by one? Yeah, that's what I'm doing. So, hello. Can you hear me, Russell? Yeah. All right. Well, I don't know how I didn't do it. So I'm trying to work on that. All right, and get up. Okay, now I'm mute here. All right, can you hear me all right? Yeah. All right. All right, I don't know what was going on, but we wound up having to toggle back and forth on uh, mute and unmute. It was like it was automatically uh, uh, just doing it. So anyhow, all right, um, Isaac, you can unmute too. And uh, anybody have any thoughts at this point here as to uh, does that help kind of give us a better process of knowing how this whole genealogical line evolves and and what that means in the grand scheme. 
So yeah, I think know. that all seems pretty seems pretty uh, clear for the most part so far. Okay. I'm I'm definitely well, you know I'm gonna go I'm taking notes and I'm gonna go back afterwards and uh, kind of read through to make sure it's all cemented. But it seems good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, this isn't the first time I've ever uh, ever been through this. Uh, I over the past 15 years, a couple of times, I've tried to revisit this stuff and ask myself, you know, have I missed something or what do I understand? And part of it has been as a result of so many that you know are professing the seed line doctrine. They they spend so much time basically pointing pointing to Jews as being offspring of, you know, conjugal union with, uh, you know, with a, a serpent seed line or, you know, a fallen angel uh, thing. And, and and I've come to the conclusion that that comes straight out of the cabal and um, has no foundation. And, and I'm working on some messages to try to bring that out and to help even some of our own brethren uh, get through that, and so the point is, is that to me, is I, I've been sitting here going, okay, you know, what do I need to learn and know better or understand more about the genealogical aspect in order to refute even the seed line part of, you know, that group out there, I guess, and and make sure that you know I, I have, uh, you know, at least some understanding of how this genealogical timeline works in and, and so forth. And so, uh, yes, definitely writing these scriptures down, kind of going back and making a review of them has been helpful for me uh, over the last 15 years. And and this right now kind of constitutes a, a third time that I've just kind of tried to recap the genealogical line and try to put it into some scriptures, you know, and quickly run through them. So, anyhow, um, I'd like um, to make a comment. Sure. Earlier, you asked the question. Many times, people say, "What difference does it make?" Yeah. So, so the thought comes to mind: What motivates the usurpers? To me very clear and that would be the benefits of being uh, an Israelite there's promises made to those Israelites Amen. And, and it's a very very good way to con people con the real Israelites actually and to make them think they're the non-Israelites you're the Israelite this is basically what they do on every issue they accuse you of what they are yeah 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 this Chucky Shimmer open his mouth without accusing all of these Jews that run this government they're constantly accusing you of what they are. So the motivation for them would be power, wouldn't it, Doug? Yeah. Power that yeah. they 
they long for. They seek this power, which remember the road to power is always paid with dollar bills. So it's not the dollar bills they love so much as the power over the other people. It's it's the these are the people that sold slaves. These are the people that run amok. Uh, these federal authorities that love to oppress people. It's in their DNA. That's my comment. Yep. I am looking for if somebody's got... Uh, I'm looking in Galatians, and I thought I I wrote in my notes Galatians 1.28, but I'm thinking uh, I'm in Galatians right now, and I've got that scripture incorrectly uh, marked um, because there's only 24 verses in Galatians chapter 1. So um, I'm trying to see real quick... um, Uh, it's the scripture that says where well, there is neither uh, Jew nor Greek, bond or free, male nor female. I wrote the entire scripture out, but I wrote it down wrong. But one in Christ Jesus. See, w- when we think of that scripture and when we read that scripture, that in and of itself should put to shame the Jews' claim, if you will, uh, professed by the church world, certainly, uh, and really soundly renounced. because. If we are indeed, see, this is this is the thing that's baffling sometimes. Is three twenty-eight? What is that? Galatians three twenty-eight. Three twenty-eight. I just wrote it down right. I I had three sixteen to nineteen in my notes also, and I was wondering if that's where it was. I didn't flip over there quick. I'm still in Galatians chapter. Uh, chapter 1, but we'll go to 3, 16 to 19 and, and stuff. But think about it. When somebody cites a translation, this scripture is good news, news for Vestites as well. Yeah. Um, so to even make that, to for for the Christian to retort that, he doesn't, or she, doesn't see their own insidiousness in that because if that is true then why hold them up as being something other than as one in Christ Jesus yeah so there's yeah, got to be a, that, there's got to be a problem with that i mean that's just logical thinking well wait a minute Oh, yeah, yeah, we're all one in Christ Jesus. See, I remember 25 to 30 years ago, I would have people when I was young, and I remember saying to the Lord back then, don't make me like these other Christians because they throw this scripture out to me, and I'm not, you know, wasn't good enough at the time in my own biblical knowledge and understanding, and so therefore I couldn't couldn't refute it. But then I would go home, and I would read a scripture that had been thrown out to me, or I would search to find that scripture, and I would read that scripture, and I found myself going, huh, what? 
what sense did that make? You know, I, I sounded often, very often, I would be saying, that that's not even in context. That didn't even have anything to do with what we were talking about. And this is another one of those cases where it may have something to do with the statement uh, being made or reciting the scripture, may have something to do with something that sounds pertinent, but in reality, as I pointed out, and I don't want to belabor it, but I'll make the point the second time, is, hey, wait a minute. If you're going to make the claim that we are all one in Christ Jesus, then you can't allow the claim that somebody else is not one in Christ Jesus, but are better or higher or greater than all one in Christ Jesus. And so I'm glad I'm glad you saw that, Isaac, too, because that 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 is one of the things that really, you know, many years ago got me thinking real hard about um uh, about things. Now, while we're close to Ephesians, let's just back up a few pages. Again, I said back up, but we're going forward. <laughs> Ephesians chapter two verses 14, uh, yes, all right, 14, um, uh, let's back up to 12, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Now, that's a direct reference to being divorced and being cast off. And, of course, we find that in Jeremiah 3.8. And this is what he means by that. If If you don't understand what happened with the house of Israel, you can't understand what Paul is saying here about a time when we were without Christ, because Christ is God. Christ is God in the flesh. He came as his only begotten son because the only way for God to die was to come in the form of man, flesh and blood of him, and could lay down that life to release that bride, Israel, from that covenant of marriage that they were under. They were under a covenant with God, a covenant of marriage. And we'd have to go to all the scriptures of marriage. But just make a note, marriage, married to Israel. Um, and look for that phraseology on a, on, a, on a search so that you can get the scriptures that refer to it. I don't have those right now in front of me either. But um, by doing so, you obviously then can understand that this this covenant, this is like a will, and it's granted to the heirs. Now, in Ephesians chapter uh, three, uh, 2, uh, dropping down from where we were in 12 to 14, 16, for he is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Now, what does he mean, made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, 
for to make himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity therein. And so what was the enmity? The enmity was the ordinance for sin. All of those things that were in the ordinances, which is why Paul tells us, you know, why serve that which was added 430 years after? The law was not 430 years after. The law was already in existence. Just because God gave it to Israel once again at the foot of Mount Sinai, that was only one portion of God's people. That was only one portion of the promise. Remember, there were some of those people who had already migrated to the Mediterranean regions long before the uh, bondage in Egypt. So the ordinances were those things which God gave them in the sacrifices and so forth. Having spent all these years in Egypt, having sacrifices and everything else, you can imagine a people who didn't know what to do with themselves anymore. And they've got all this in their heads about sacrifice and and so forth, as the Egyptians were wont to do. And so he says that Adam's sin brought death by one death entered in, and the ritual and ordinance were not a true sacrifice. You see, because what is the punishment for death? Death gets death. Well, God didn't want his bride to have to die. And so what did he do? He laid down his life that she could be freed from the marriage. As the scripture says, freed from the law, which forbid her to remarry, that she could be married to another. And that's, uh, you know, that was, that was, that's the whole crux of why the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ became necessary and was carried out. Judah and Israel are the same. All 12 sons of Jacob are Israel. Judah is just one son, one small part of Israel whom God singled out as Judah, which included Benjamin in some contexts. Otherwise, Judah and Israel are of the same 12 tribes of Israel, when you understand that Joseph passed the blessing to Ephraim and Manasseh, his two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, that's where you get the 13 tribes and no longer the 11 tribes, but um, Israel and Judah still, in the concept in your mind, should be that they still are all of all of Israel, if you will, which includes um, Ephraim and Manasseh. Um, so um, Jeremiah chapter twenty. Let's go to Jeremiah. I've got Jeremiah thirty-three in my notes, as well as being an important part of this. So let's do that quick. And um, That might have to wrap up this part of the fellowship 
for tonight, then, looking at the time. Jeremiah chapter 33, we're going to begin at verse, uh, let's begin at verse 20. Thus says the Lord, if you can break my covenant of the day and my covenant of the night, and that there should be day and should not be day and night in their season, then may also my covenant be broken with David my servant, that he should not have a son to reign upon his throne with the Levites, the priests, my ministers. As the host of heaven cannot be numbered, neither the sand of the sea measured, so will I multiply the seed of David my servant and the Levites that minister unto me. All right. Now, why do I bring this scripture out? I bring this scripture out because twofold. Remember, the promise to Abraham was to be a multitude of nations, and I brought that out last week and said, you know, how can you believe God and believe in the prophecies and so forth, and that they would become a multitude of nations? And then look to these over here who claim that the Jews are God's chosen people and say to them, Look, behold, God's chosen people. Where are the multitude of nations? See, that doesn't square. But when you go back to this chapter here in Jeremiah 33, he says, God says, Yahweh, the God of Israel says, if you can break my covenant of the day and my covenant of the night, in other words, if you can make the sun not rise and the, the moon not in its time, if you can do that, that there should be no day and night in their seasons, then may also my covenant be broken with David my servant. So in other words, it's patently impossible because I have no way of being able to destroy the day or the night. As the host of heaven cannot be numbered, neither the sand of the sea measured, so will I multiply the seed of David, my servant, and the Levites that minister unto me. Okay, the servants David. And he says he's going to multiply the servants, the seed of David, my servant. If the Jews are of David, God is not doing a very good job of multiplying the seed of Judah or David, his servant, is he? Anybody? No. Nope, not at all. No. So, therefore, we have to conclude that God is true, and therefore he is multiplying the seed of David, his servant. So, maybe that's why they don't claim David. They they profess that they, you know, want to bring the house of Israel back together. Uh, they, what is that one prayer that they have that they're praying that Israel would be reunited with them? And... I think, I don't think it, I'm of the conviction and the belief that many of the so-called Jews don't also know their own identity either. 
<laughs> I think that's safe to say. And as a result, it leads to a lot of problems themselves because they're following a religion that if they truly knew and understood it more, they probably would be quite appalled at it. If they, you know, it's kind of like our Bible. If we don't get into it and dig into all the nuances and all the things that we can learn from it, um, then we don't really know it. We can still profess to be a Christian. We can still profess to believe in God. We can do all these different kinds of machinations or whatever, but really what are we? You know, we aren't really what we are claiming to be until we can fully be who we are supposed to be, if you will. And I think that's uh, clearly, uh, obviously the case with with a lot of them. And what identity has done, call themselves identity, has basically gone into the seed line doctrine where they they intend, I guess, to uh, whether they or not, all of them or portions of them or whatever, they just want to lump them all into one category and classify them all as something. And they'll give you a lot of stuff and find you a lot of proof texts and and uh but i have been coming more and more to the conclusion and the understanding that that uh, biblically if we stay the course in the bible understand the two groups of people and then understand where the groups break off and understand those that return to judea under uh, nehemiah and ezra and that they were uh, a mixed multitude, frankly, they were told to put away their mixed multitude of families, as you recall from those two uh, uh, Bible uh, um, books. Um, so it'll it'll go. We will go a lot farther, staying with the truth of the Scripture, as opposed to trying to glom onto something that really does not make very much sense. And there's really very little tangible proof that could even be remotely cited. You know, I know what they do. I know, you know, maybe one day we'll have to take that whole thing on and we'll have to get into everything that they claim and say and refute it, you know, uh, stay the course biblically. So, anyhow, uh, I know it's uh, approaching nine, and um, um, I'm open to shutting down here for, for my part at least. And and um, I know I took a lot of the time, obviously. But Isaac, if you've got some things that you still wanted to to roll out here, and and Russell, I know you're saying indicating that you were kind of tired and stuff too. So. You guys let me know. You want to hang in here for another 15 minutes and see what we can we can button up? Um, I can do another 15 minutes. I don't have too much to really nothing nothing specific planned to add add to the discussion, you know. But you know, if we can keep anything okay. going, I've got another 15 minutes to spend. I, I'm, All right. I'm ready well, to back. I don't need to. Then. So anyhow, when you 
when you take verse 24 uh, uh, at that scripture that we were reading, uh, it says, uh, let's drop down to that real quick. Verse, uh, moreover, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah saying, considerest thou not what this people has spoken, saying, the two families which the Lord hath chosen, he has even cast them off. Thus they have despised my people, that they should be no more a nation before them. Thus says the Lord, if my covenant be not with day and night, and if I have not appointed the ordinances of heaven and earth, better flip over, then will I cast away the seed of Jacob and David my servant. Now, right there, once again, the seed of Jacob. Who is the seed of Jacob? Jacob, Israel, the 12 tribes, and specifically speaks of David, my servant, because we've already seen that he's divided the houses. It was of him. He divided Jacob and the house of Israel from Judah, so that I will not take away any, not take any of this seed, his seed, to be the be rulers of the seed of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, I just totally botched that up. Let me do it again. Thus, I'm dropping back to 25. Thus, I have not appointed the ordinance of heaven and earth. Then will I cast away. Then will I cast away the seed of Jacob and David my servant, so that I will not take any of his seed to be rulers over the seed of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. For I will cause their captivity to return and have mercy on them. All right, that's, that's very critical. <clears throat> See, chapter 33 and chapter 34 together in concept, and let's just do that for the next time. Uh, We'll just do that for the next time, chapter 34, together in the context, uh, is that they profess God's law in releasing um, a servant, but we'll hey, do that on the time. I'm getting all sorts of weird blowback, so I'm going to sign off right now. Yeah, I've, I was hearing it. Next time. Yeah, okay, I was hearing thank it, too. You. I thought it was all right, really Russell. Hilarious. All right. Okay. Good night now. Good night. All right, let's see. Was the feedback? Is Something's going on here tonight. I'm not sure why. Yeah, I'm not either. Sounds fine right now. Yeah, it does. It sounds fine now. So I don't know. If he moved his phone or something, he might have been getting speakers up. Uh, uh, no, it's still doing it. An audio, audio system, and, and that, that could be if he... If he it's moved still doing it for me. Oh, it is. Yeah. Well, yeah, something's going it. on here tonight. I'm not quite sure what. Yeah, I'm not either. Well, it isn't a perfect system, I guess, and that's why it's free. <laughs> and I don't, <laughs> frankly, even know if we're still. Re I guess we're still recording. That's good. All right. Um, well, you know, anytime, anytime somebody calls in, if they're, if they've got a microphone. That's not like a uh, a directional microphone, and if they've got a speaker somewhere else in the room, that's going to cause feedback for them and then for everybody else too. 
Yeah. So I mean, it's it's interesting that anybody could call in if any one of the people that calls in has got the wrong the wrong setup or the speaker and the microphone aren't isolated, then they're gonna cause that sort of interruption inadvertently. Especially if you have yeah, we had dozens, to... dozens of people. Yeah, and I suppose I need to have a little more technical uh, smarts to when they come on. We had a guy that was on or whoever it was, and um, uh, I swear when when that one came on, when he when it, he joined, it started getting all weird. Well, it it it, it honestly acted like it took over the controls because oh, yeah? yeah, because yeah, my mic said it did. And so, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, Money Milk Five Thousand. I don't know what Money Milk Five Thousand is doing, you know, on this one here. But whoever he was, or they were, um, for some reason, uh, we might need to check out some stuff. But I can actually mute people on the call. Well, Which I noticed since they've done. I, I've noticed since they've done this, Jeremiah, you actually should not be able to see the participant list, I don't think at all. I don't know what all they've changed, and maybe they've made that participant list open to everybody, but... but yeah, look, I can Isaac, see I the participant list, but I can also mute people, which I shouldn't be allowed to do if I'm just a random person calling. Well, I, I know. So either there's a cookie or something on yours since you had to take controls one time there must be or some computer that's allowing you to to have host controls but but I yeah when that guy so. came when that guy came on he he was he 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 clicked that microphone on there or something because it immediately came on and and I don't know what was going on so anyhow but Isaac I I don't want you to have to hang on here longer than uh, than you wanted to anyway there um all right, that was just something that I thought maybe would be good to kind of recap and go over and get our feet grounded on, you know, a biblical truth that, you know, has to do with, you know, the people that that we're dealing with in the scriptures. And then from there, there still is a lot more because there's going to be more, more question as to, okay, well, our... Are some of these Jews actually of the tribe of Judah? And the answer, I think, will be yes. They're probably Jews today. But I don't know. I don't know how you can call yourself a Jew, practice Judaism, and espouse to be of the tribe of Judah, and look at the biblical record as to how you're supposed to act and the way you're supposed to be. And then do the things that they, so many of them do do, you know. So just like Christians, we can have Christians who profess Christianity, but act like heathens, you know. So yeah, yeah, I'm right. not, anyway, I'm not, I'm not ready to lump all Jews into one basket, and and I have a definite problem with the basket if the basket says this is what we practice, this is our faith called Judaism. Because I've looked at their Judaism. I've looked at their Talmud. I've read from those excerpts and so forth that many other writers have, have written about. And 
I must say, you know, I'm not too encouraged by it, and certainly not encouraged <laughs> by, you know, not encouraged by calling Christ a prostitute, you know, born of a prostitute yeah. conceived, you know, through uh, menstruation, you know, um, and many other very un, uh, you know, un, uh, very un, uh, unkind things, uh, very right. And that's the thing is, you know, are they sufferings from the same? thing that that we are and only those that really are the Judaizers, the real, you know, uh, practicers of it from, you know, the pit of Babylon, are are they the ones that are roping some of these others in? I I don't don't really know, but I'd have to say probably so. And they're just like so many gullible pastors that are roped in on, on this you know, holding the Jews up as as being somebody that they should not be held up to be. So, right. But anyhow, um, so there's a little bit of it anyway. I've got some more notes, and we'll pick it up again. If it's not too much for you or whatever, if you having a problem with a schedule or something, why? No problem. Just let us let me know or something with a day, and we'll we'll flip it off on another day and take it up on another day again. You know, so not a problem. Uh-huh. Okay. I'll uh, during the week I'll go over these notes instead. Of, I guess instead of trying to work forward, I'll kind of work backwards. I'll go over some of these notes, and if I come up with anything that I'd like to discuss more, maybe we can work that in somewhere on the next one. Yeah. Well, and... and or or just know, a, a follow-up after all of them, however it works out best. Yeah, right. Yeah, I was going to say is that a lot of times if you, you know, take some more time, if you do have a question that develops out of it to try to research it enough to see whether the question is can be answered on you on, on a little further study, and then if you you can't why then yeah then we'll bring that up and see where we can find more diligent answers to it so but anyhow sounds good well um i'll let you get off to what you got to get to yet tonight and we'll close up with prayer then heavenly father do thank you for the time and the opportunity to fellowship with brethren here father i ask for your blessing and guidance on isaac and joanna certainly the child that's brewing in that womb, Father, we just pray for everything to be held together and that your blessing be upon that that entire that entire pregnancy. So, Father, we ask for that, and we ask for comfort and joy for all that we do in the days ahead, for our labors and our work, and give praise and glory to you for all the things that you do for us daily. Thank you for your word and thank you for your promises. And we pray, Father, that we be found diligently working to do your will. We ask it. We give thanks. We pray for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. All right. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Sounds good. Talk to you later, Isaac. Good night now. Tell Joanna. Good night. Good night. Will do.